0: Welcome to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you like it, consider joining us at 140 Bowdoin Street in Boston for more, or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org. So here we are at Advent. Advent is a season that I get the sense most people are now celebrating the birth of Christ in Advent. But you used to celebrate the darkness of life in Advent. Advent was a time where you looked at, really, the darkness. You didn't decorate your tree after Thanksgiving. You decorated your tree Christmas morning. What you did between Thanksgiving and Christmas is you really focused on being penitent. You really focused on the darkness. If you read some of the readings we have during Advent, they're not cheery readings. However, we've grown into a season where we are looking forward to the return of Christ in a new way. We're not looking at, boy, things are so dark and horrible. We have enough dark and horrible, I guess, in our lives, right? Right? that we want to maybe a longer feeling of Christ being present. Now, in my tradition, in the Swedenborgian Church, we don't believe, really, that Jesus is going to come again in a physical body. It's different than that. And I want to make a statement. At Advent, we, we are looking to the historical understanding it of the coming of Christ, but we do so in such a way that we are counting on Christ being present with us again. Now, in my tradition, we do not believe that Jesus is going to come down and take a world leadership role in the G8. We do not think he's gonna get a seat on the Security Council. We do not think he's going to hold public office. We do not think that Jesus is going to come in a way that people expect. Jesus comes through each of us. Jesus comes in our hearts. Jesus comes in our lives. The person of Christ actually becomes the core of who we are. So the world is moving toward a place, hopefully, of love, hopefully of divine guidance. But it's not in the way of a major military victory, as some might think in reading the book of Revelation. And if you don't believe me, if you go back to the time of Christ, everybody was expecting a military takeover. Everyone was expecting someone like Moses, someone who would come in, conquer Pharaoh, and lead the people out of slavery. The people in Jesus' time We're looking for a military leader. A leader who is going to kick Rome out. Who is going to establish Israel as the rightful leaders. And in the end, what they got was something really different. What they got was a transformation of existence itself. The freeing from bondage wasn't about the things of this world. It was about the things of the spiritual world. people, And it's important to remember this. We read these stories all the time. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes I forget to think about what's happening at the time when these words were written. I read about it, and I read about the darkness of the world, and I think, oh boy, yeah, we, we have this happening, we have that happening. I forget the people writing this were living in an occupied state, in a state where their leaders were chosen by the Roman government, the political leaders of the day, were viewed as traitors by many of the people, people who had basically turned on their own people. They were waiting for someone to come and give them a sense of freedom where they could feel like they were not having every aspect of their lives controlled. It is a much different thing. Now, many of these leaders, I don't want you all thinking the leaders back then were horrible people. Because we, again, we don't think in terms of Jewish scripture often. So we do not think, like the leaders of Israel that day, the people of Israel had been through several times where they'd been kicked out of their homes. They were kept from worshiping their religion. The leaders who worked with the Romans, I bet you those leaders thought they were doing everything they could do to save their people. I bet you they said, boy, if we don't play with the Romans, we're going to have another time where we're kicked out of our homes if we don't do what we have to do to get by. So what you end up getting are two political parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. you all are familiar with these terms? You hear these in Jesus' Gospels all the time. Pharisees, Sadducees, these are always... They might as well be Democrats and Republicans. That's who these people are. These are not people sitting in an official position. These are people who have joined a political movement. The Sadducees are people who want all of the worship to be done at the temple and want to restore things to the way they used to be. The Pharisees are the, people, are the people's movement. They want, they want to worship in high places. They want to feel close to God where they want to feel close to God. And you get these two people in an occupied state who are fighting to try and make their home what it is they want it to be and not what the Romans want it to be. The Romans, the Romans want to be able to collect tax, right? They want money. They don't really care what you do. They don't care what you worship. And so everything becomes about money. The bickering, all of the issues that Jesus actually eventually gets crucified for are actually about money. So we celebrate Advent right now, and I'll tell you, it's pretty hard, even though I I opened the service talking about walking through downtown crossing. It's pretty hard to not be blinded by money right now, isn't it? You wanna get the good gifts, you wanna show people you love and you care about them, money gets really, really confusing. Everyone has their own thing when it comes to Christmas and money. But we lose sight of what's important to Christmas. So here's my question. What is it for you that you are expecting with Christmas? The church is asking you, how is Christ being born in your life? How can you bring Christ into the world? My question for you is how do you do that? I don't dislike gifts. I like gifts. I like getting them. I like giving them. Gift giving is a great way to show love and care and compassion. But at the end of the day, if all we are doing is remembering Christmas for the Ewok village we got when we were eight years old. And I still remember that Ewok village. What's Christmas? So I had a friend recently tell me, that they weren't in the spirit of Christmas because there's just too much going on. And I gave her my number one response. And I'm gonna give a thank you to the choir here in Carlton a little bit for this, which is singing Christmas carols. The best way to get in the Christmas spirit is to sing Christmas carols, right? And my, you know, I, I have industrial punk all the way to Perry Como, so I love, I love any Christmas music. You. You put whatever kind of music you want with a Christmas message, I love it. But then there's something else that I told her, I'm like, the thing is that, that maybe gets, that tunes your brain. You know, we heard in our reading from Isaiah and from Swedenborg something about personal growth. It turns, tunes our brains to have the idea that we need to be loving. But you know what we actually have to do? We have to commit to be loving. So I have a little challenge for you. Is, every, is anyone done with their Christmas shopping? Okay, one person. Okay, a couple people are done with their Christmas shopping. If you're not, and you're planning on going to the store, I have a little thing for you. Every time you get frustrated about standing in line, let the person behind you in front. Think about that. What would it be like... If when we are in our most frustrated, we could channel love of a complete stranger next to us. Maybe you're not Christmas shopping and you're just going to lunch. You can do the same thing at a lunch line. Think of something. Think of some way. Think of somewhere where you have the power to bring Christ into the world. You have the power to make the same decision that Joseph made. And I was think about this. It mentions in the scriptural passage about Joseph about how he didn't want to get embarrassed. It sounds like that. Well, you know what the penalty is for Joseph being embarrassed that his, wife, that his wife-to-be was going to have a son? His embarrassment is that he had to go and find a new wife. Do you know what her punishment was? Stoning to death. The punishment for having an affair was being stoned to death. So dismissing her quietly was also a nice thing to do because it, it might save her from being killed. But he was a righteous man. And I love the word righteous, and I, I really like it. I was once insulted by someone telling me that I was righteous. I was trying to figure out why it was an insult, but I knew what they meant. Righteousness is about doing what's right. And honestly, Joseph was going to do what was not right, What was right for Joseph was to take her to the temple and tell the temple priest that she had committed this violation. That is what the law said to do. He was actually violating the law. Kind of weird. But instead, he became a righteous person because he was willing to accept the fact that the baby Jesus was the Son of God. This is our story. This is not a story about something that happened a long time ago. Each one of us have an opportunity to hear the message of the birth of love of Christ in our lives, and we have the ability to stone it, to dismiss it quietly, or we have the ability to welcome it into the world as God with us. This is what we do in the Christmas season. We stone what God is when we become full of anger at our Christmas shopping lines, when we become full of anger at the difficulty of even driving anywhere near a commercial establishment. And this is, again, for anyone who is in the morning class, I always, it always floods over to some degree. Every time I hear someone tell me how the marketplace has destroyed Christmas, I really want to turn around and give them a lecture about the evolution of Christmas because, you know what, everything that people value about Christmas has been based on the marketplace. The Christmas before the marketplace was like celebrating St. Ephraim Day. How many of you do that? It means you go to church and have communion and you go home. That's Christmas in the 1820s. Christmas in the 1820s was actually a festival where most of the men between Christmas and New Year just got drunk. So much so that all the factories had to close down. It hurt business. So the business owners and the women's groups from churches gathered together. The women's group of churches didn't like the fact that the men were getting drunk spending all the money and not being good husbands. Right? It's a good thing. They got together and they had the birth of an idea. What if we made Christmas a family event? What if we made Christmas one that we celebrate not drinking? And what if we make Christmas doing things good for the community? What if we make Christmas all those things? And they transformed Christmas together through the marketplace. They had an idea. They brought it into life. And they really brought an understanding of who Christ is in a better way. I do not blame the marketplace. I love the marketplace for Christmas, which is why I say, go into the marketplace full of gusto, be happy to stand in lines, because it's your ability to love a stranger by letting them in front of you. It's what you're doing to show your love for other people. If Amazon does not deliver your Christmas present until the 28th, it's okay. Even that waiting. is about bringing love into the world. So this is my question, how do you keep your Christmas? What do you decide to do this year? Do you do what Joseph is thinking about doing in the beginning of our story? Do you put the Lord's message of love and light at the darkest time of the year into jeopardy? Or do you find some way every day in the season of Advent to show love coming more fully into the world? That's what it means to be a righteous person, to do what is right. Trees, ornaments, carols, most of these things that we think of were not here 150 years ago. There's nothing I love more than decorating my Christmas tree. Nothing more than putting each one of those ornaments, and I remember where I got each one of them, Nothing more than remembering those memories. The things that the marketplace have done, like bringing Christmas ornaments into existence. Help me remember. As long as my Christmas commercialism connects me to the memories of the love I have shared with people, I am in Christmas. When I stand in front of Target getting a Hatchimal, I got a hatchimal two days ago, by the way. For anyone who cares, hottest Christmas present. It was a wonderful thing, and I'm standing in line with those people, and they were kvetching about having to be standing in negative four degree weather in front of Target before it opened. I just thought to myself, I'm grateful for the opportunity. It's me showing love, hope, peace, joy, and love are what Advent is about each one of these candles represents this and I challenge each one of us to find a way to bring this in every day doing ordinary things not spending money though spending money's okay pick something every day and do it and do it while humming a Christmas carol and I'm going to give you all a gift my favorite Christmas song which uh, was written uh, the music was written by a man named John Westall and a man named Joseph Worcester wrote the lyrics. Uh, It's found, if anyone who wants to follow along, on page 100 in the Book of Worship in the pews. I'm not sure if this is true, but I like to think it's true. They were both Boston folks, so I like to think that most likely this hymn was debuted right where you are sitting. It was either here or Newton. I was born in Newton, so I'm going to claim either one's okay with me, but So look at the words and think about this, because it's an important question about why you're sitting here. Oh, how shall I keep my Christmas? Thank you for listening to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you liked what you hear, consider joining us at 140 Bowdoin Street, Boston, for more. Or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org.